I'm a zombie! I've been bitten! You're listening to the Survival Podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zombies Ate My Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, is the busy zombie lord, Lou Page. How's it going, Lou? I did it, Ryan. Oh. I did it. What did you do? I beat Resident Evil 8 twice. Oh, and yeah, let's let's not delay any further. Let's get to it. Ethan Winters. Ethan Winters. Mr. Winters. Ethan Winters. Ethan. Four. Right, it's the Resident Evil Village Corner. We're talking about it right now. Lou finished it not once, but twice. Finished Resident Evil Village twice. And and for those listening, don't be impressed by the fact that I beat it twice. I beat it once on normal, and then uh, there's a challenge mode. There's challenges that you unlock after you beat it the first time that earn you points, and you can unlock like unlimited ammo for certain guns and stuff. And so when I wanted to unlock unlimited ammo for guns, I said I'm going to go back through and play it on easy so I can unlock the unlimited ammo stuff. <laughs> okay, so your second time was on easy, but still, like, that's... Uh, well, and not only that, but not only that, but by the time I got to the castle the first time, um, one of the unlocks is later in the game you play as Chris, and Chris comes armed to the teeth. You only play with him for a, a short segment. And his is like an action segment where it feels more like a like an action game than a Resident Evil game. It feels like you're playing an FPS. And he has he has like four specific weapons that are tied to him. And one of the guns you unlock when you beat the game is you unlock his pistol, and you can't buy any upgrades for it. But if you earn enough points, you can unlock unlimited ammo for it. So by the time I got to the castle, uh, uh, got to the the tall lady there in the castle the second time, I had unlimited ammo with a with a pistol, and and it holds like twenty five rounds. So it it was and it rapid fires. So it's like carrying around a mini Uzi, walking around the castle with infinite ammo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Take that, Lady um, D. Is what I call her because I can't pronounce her last name. When her daughters come after you. It like literally it was like two clips and they were dead. And so it would be like I would be like, oh no, they're coming for me. Reload. Dead. And I was like, oh man, I'm glad that this time around it's so much easier. <laughs> so you played it on easy easy mode. Well that's yes. fine. And, uh, and 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 it should be said, I believe I haven't tried it yet. Um I believe that the infinite ammo unlocks for harder difficulty settings too. <laughs> so I'm like I'm like Oh, good. I'm going to be able to play through it on maximum difficulty and not have to worry about ammo. That's great. Uh, I did want to say we are going to talk about Resident Evil Village here and uh, no spoilers. So essentially where I'm at, I have not played the game, but I've been watching a stream because I'm too chicken to play it. And uh, I've been watching uh, Scott Johnson play with John Jagger, who are playing on the Frog Pants Twitch channel. They're they just did th- they've done three parts 
uh, two hours each, and I'm essentially at the end of the second boss. So for everybody who's listening and doesn't want any spoilers for Resident Evil Village, um, no, no. you know, you can, you can, you know, use the time codes below to jump to the next segment, the news, but we are going to talk about Resident Evil Village and, um, you know, we're not going to go into great detail, but there might be some spoilers. So if you're trying to avoid them, uh, just beware of that. But Lou, I got to tell you, a lot of people have been saying, no, the game's not scary. The game's not scary. And for the most part, like Scott, when he plays the game, He's scared of a lot of things that I think, I think I'd be fine. Like I played the demo. It was freaky, but I think I could survive sort of the werewolf zombie he, people. He, he got really upset being chased by the tall lady because I've watched it along as well. Mm-hmm. And I had already beaten the game by the time I, I was watching him. And uh, he was getting really freaked out by the tall lady. And it's like a tense moment. There's a couple moments where she chases you through the castle and you cannot fight her. Um Anything you do to fight her, you're just wasting bullets. You don't even slow her down. But she walks really slow, so it's really easy to like outrun her and get away. And then you have to, and then and then you gotta get back to wherever it is you were. But hopefully she's left the room, kind of thing. You do a lot of sneaking around to get away from her, um, and that's fine. Uh, but I never found her scary. I found her moments tense, like getting chased by Tyrant and being like, or, 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 or the nemesis and being like, oh, great. Here we go again. Got to run. You know what I mean? I never found her moments scary. The second boss of the game or second area of the game, when you go to the dollhouse lady, it is like walking into a walking nightmare. <laughs> it, yeah. it is the only part of the game that I will actually call scary. Literally from every moment after the dollhouse. It's Resident Evil 4. That That's all it is. Um, uh, the other two bosses, it might as well be called Resident Evil 4. Interesting. In first person. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't find Lady uh, Demestru or however it said very scary, but I'm not in that moment of her chasing you. But honestly, in comparison to Mr. X and Nemesis uh lady lady d chasing you around is it, it just seems like um not as big a deal as those those other two characters don't get me wrong she's menacing and she's going if she catches you she is going to kill you but the areas also seem a little better lit in that segment of resident evil village where when you're walking around being chased by um lady d you know she is it's all well, it's all in a well lit castle, right? Um, whereas I remember, there's a few segments in the basement where Ethan's wandering around in the dark. But even then, there's there's a lot of like candlelight, so it's dim but not dark. Yeah. Um, the dollhouse is literally there's a whole segment of it where they make you walk around with only a flashlight, and um, and it's just. Uh, the, the boss itself is super easy, and one of the only things I enjoyed about that segment is that it's a almost non... It's, it's like a dungeon, and that whole dungeon is like non-combat, so it's like all puzzles, and that's fun until they introduce the baby monster. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was like, nope. And the baby monster to me isn't really scary, it's disturbing. Yes. Um, it's not, I wouldn't call it scary. It's, it, it's just really annoying because basically the whole le- level 
is like a big circle with like two arms that go off in different directions. And so once you're getting chased by the baby monster, the only thing you can do is run around in the circle until you get away from him. And then hope that he's further enough along that you can go back to what it was you were doing to solve a puzzle. And then he shows up again, and then you've got to run away again in the other direction. And it, 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 and it, and, and he's fast. That's the thing that sucks. Is it, Lady Damage Drew is slow. The baby monster's far faster than she was. And you can't fight back, and like, and there's like the the castle is huge. So when you get chased by her, you can run up the flight of stairs, and then there's another way out of the thing. So if you run up the flight of stairs, you can run through another part of the castle, and then come down another thing, and then you can end up outside the courtyard. And then if she's out in the courtyard, you could run up another flight of stairs and go through another part of the castle, come back through, and come back out around the other side of the castle. Like the castle's a big open area. There's plenty of places for you to hide from her. The baby monster's only scary because there's no place for you to go. Also, it looks very scary. Oh, it's it, it's it's awful. It's <laughs> it's like it, it's one of the the most awful looking monsters I've ever seen. It, forget anything you've seen in a Silent Hill game. This thing comes and they don't even warn you about it. Uh, you think you've done in this basement? The, the doll. Okay, I should go all the way back to the beginning. Um, when you beat the castle with the vampire lady. She turns into a giant monster, Cthulhu monster thing, and you kill her. And then you find out that your baby, Rose, has been chopped into four pieces, and you need to collect the four pieces to bring her back from the dead. Because, like Ethan, who seems to lose arms and limbs and whatever, and seems to come back from the dead, your kid has the same gift as you. And uh, they explain that at the end of the game. I won't spoil it right now, but when you get to the end of the game, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I, th- I think our plan basically is that we'll we'll kind of progress through the story uh, as as I sort of catch up. And I mean, I will play RE8 at some point. It's just not it's not happening right now. I mean, if, if I were to suddenly have Resident Evil Village in my hands, I'd be like, well, I guess I better play it. But at this stage, <laughs> I'm not sure. I saw that I saw that uh, that baby segment and it's the look of the monster, but the sounds, the sounds are just so... Yeah, Ugh. it's basically a baby crying and giggling and going, "Daddy, yeah, it's, Daddy." Mm, mm. And the mm. first time I, the first time I saw it, I was like, I was actually like, "Ah!" and I ran. But <laughs> uh, like, like, but after about two minutes of running from the thing, you're like, "Oh, it's really, it's gross," and the noise is really annoying. So I'm gonna take off my headphones, and that's kind of how I beat it. Did you get um, eaten by the baby monster? I never got killed. Okay. Did you see Scott get eaten by the baby monster? Yes, I did. Ugh. Ugh. Just the. Th- yeah, it, it it grabs you with these two deformed arms, picks you up by by your arms, and then puts you feet first down its mouth, and it says "game over." Yeah, and I'll give Resident Evil Village this credit, and and really Resident Evil Seven as well. I remember um, when you die by some horrible way, it cuts before. You, it gets gruesome before it gets so bad that you like i can't play anymore like they leave that last little bit to your imagination which i think is is really good because you can't blame the game for what you're thinking it's really all your fault <laughs> so i will give capcom that credit in that i think they 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 showed some restraint there but um the that segment seemed short i mean 
again, like I think stepping away from this game because of a small boss moment where you realize, oh, if I want to save it, I got to get through this 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 portion. Although I do, I think Scott saved during the sort of chase with the baby, but I feel like it's such a small moment where you can probably walk forward from there and be like, well, at least that's done. That entire dungeon, if you know what you're doing, 35, 40 minutes and it's over. Yeah. Um, I managed to beat it while one episode of a TV show was going on. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's over. Awesome. Great. Well, see, that's the thing is I feel like if I watch this stream, I feel like if I experience that moment without knowing we would have a pretty genuine conversation here about like, I've never played this game again. But I feel like when I do get around to it, I could see myself being like, okay, this, this is obviously scary in the moment and creepy, but at least I know it's coming. All right. My biggest gripe, the thing that always frightened me when I played resident evil seven was it, it takes you forever to get any weapons in the beginning of the game. It's like three hours in before you get a weapon. So you spend all this time running from stuff and being afraid of stuff and being like, ah, don't kill me. Ah, don't kill me. And Resident Evil 8 only does that once. And that the dollhouse dungeon is the only time it does that to you. Other than that, Ethan is always armed to the teeth. And they do not hesitate. I mean, you get all the classics. He has uh, three different pistols to choose from by the end of the game. Three different shotguns to choose by the end of the game. A grenade launcher, a sniper rifle, um, a magnum. Uh, it, like I mean, all the traditional weapons are there. Plus, you get pipe gun, pipe bombs, and landmines, and like I mean, the only reason that baby in the, the basement is so scary is because it's the one segment where they take your weapons away from you. Yeah, I, I did notice that. If I had my grenade launcher, forget it; it'd be over. That baby wants to be dead. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, they do take your weapons away, and it felt like, you know, one big puzzle box, except you're being chased by this baby slug monster thing. And uh, yeah, I, I, again, like, I appreciate what the game's trying to do, and I think this is the moment a lot of people were like, eh, it's more action-based, but oh boy, there's that one moment, and I, and I, I get the sense this is what they're talking about, and yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's really freaky. Honestly, Honestly, the next boss, I won't go too into detail because you haven't seen it yet, but he's the guy that's called Moreau, mm -hmm. and he looks like this disheveled dude in a cloak, and he's creepy looking, but I wouldn't call him scary, and he turns into a giant fish. <laughs> and you that the, his, the fight with him, he's a giant fish, and it, it, it it's sort of reminiscent of... Uh, your, the whole segment with him is sort of reminiscent of the giant fish monster in Resident Evil 4. Oh, yeah. That boat. You're in the boat. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, here's the thing. they When they remake Resident Evil 4, day one, I'm in. We'll talk about it every week until until we, we're done with it. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh. That boat, like, the boat's not scary. It's I, I always thought that was an easy moment. but uh, But that's kind of what... The he as a fish he ends up out of the out of water and you end up fighting him that way and he it, but he turns into basically a giant monster and you go oh, okay boom shoot him with my grenade launcher five times he's dead like I mean that I mean that's sort of the way I handled it with him and um like he's not really hard and he doesn't have minions like he's not sending things around and the moments with him he's not chasing you 
kids are very telegraphed stuff. And so you get to certain areas and you're like, oh, the fish monster is going to show up here. And then it does. And then you move on. And then the last segment, the last area where you fight the 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 guy that in the beginning sent, throws you down a pit, sends you through traps. Heisenberg. Heisenberg. His area, He might. you might as well call him uh, a, a traditional Resident Evil boss in an area. Like, everything is like, like, oh, yeah, there's zombies. Oh, yeah, he's got his own sort of, like, super zombies. Great. But they all die the same way. Nothing but, like, it's traditional Resident Evil. Like, oh, my God, I gotta shoot, 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 shoot. It's dead. Yes. How much ammo do I have left? Like, it's that kind of thing. And, and like, it, nothing is nothing is really, like, that whole segment is not really scary. Yeah. I, I have one question before we move on to the news. And... You know, I've kind of learned my lesson lately where I have less and less time to play video games and more and more video games I want to play. So when I'm playing a game I like and I'm hitting that wall of like, I'm not having fun because it's difficult. Um, I, I'm playing Biomutant uh, for Gamers In and, and yeah, it, the combat is not great at normal difficulty, but turning it down to easy suddenly made the game a lot more enjoyable. I feel like with Resident Evil Village, when I do get around to it, is there any harm in just playing on easy? Like, am I going to get the same experience? As someone who has now played it on normal and easy, uh, the only difference I found between normal and easy was that when I pick up an ammo with normal, sometimes a handgun clip, will, you'll find handgun rounds and they'll give you five or they'll give you seven. When I find the same box, uh, okay, every shotgun pickup gave me, like, two to five. That was it. The whole game when I played through on normal. On easy, every shotgun pickup was, like, five to ten rounds. And I was like, oh, man. I could literally, like, just walk around and use the shotgun the whole game. Hmm. That's how much shotgun ammo I was finding. And when I played it on normal, that was not the case. I was always out of shotgun rounds because I saved them for the harder stuff. Did you find that you had to use more bullets to take enemies down in normal or the same amount of bullets? Same amount of bullets. Okay. So maybe... Maybe once in a while something would take maybe one or... Uh, bosses maybe took a few less hits. But, like, the standard guys still take, like... When you get your first pistol out, you've seen the segment where you get first chased by your first lycanthrope zombie thing. Um, You've got a a, a pretty chintzy pistol that uh, uh, that has 10 rounds in it. And it takes like s somewhere between five and eight rounds to put one zombie down. Uh, if they take, when, when you fight them normally and you have the shotgun, they take between uh, one good shot to the head with the shotgun might kill one. But most of the time they take two shotgun rounds to kill. And that really didn't change when I played it on easy. Okay. Interesting. Well, I think I'll have to keep that in mind when I eventually do get around to it. Like, it, obviously the atmosphere doesn't change. And I do have a pro tip for anybody that's playing the game. Um, the challenges don't unlock until after you beat the game the first time. And there is a... But any challenge you completed while playing the game the first time unlocks after you beat it the first time like you get the points for it but the second playthrough one of the challenges is 
you know, you've seen the opening sequence with the, the lycanthrope zombies, right? And then the big guy comes out and clubs you over the head. Yeah. And then the old lady shows up and rescues you. Yeah. It's like the opening sequence of the game, pretty much. Um, If you can kill 30 of the lycanthrope zombies in that segment, you unlock like, like 50,000 points to spend <laughs> the challenge map. And if you can beat the big super guy without getting killed by him, you unlock like another 50,000 points. And that's been my current goal. As I restart the game, I play through to that segment and I try to beat kill 30 zombies. Right now, my record's like 25. Wow. But that's because, and, 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 the, and the way I've done that is I unlocked infinite ammo for both the starting gun and the starting shotgun. So I never have to worry about running out of ammo. So you just fire away. And yeah, you're good to go. I, I, is a one of the houses if you stay in one place they can only come through one door so you literally have to you stand there and just keep firing and eventually there ends up being so many zombies coming through the door it's overwhelming <laughs> nice and then i die oh well you'll get it i think you'll get it yeah. and we'll talk about it here as we continue the resident evil village corner but uh that is going to do it for this episode and we'll move in to the news has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. All right. We're first off, we're going to start with, uh, well, Resident Evil news because the Resident Evil TV series, Infinite Darkness on Netflix, has a launch date and it is early July, July 8th. And uh, Lou and I watched the trailer shortly before recording. Uh, Lou, how do you feel about going back to post Resident Evil 4, uh, Leon and Claire? I'm okay with it. I feel like it's going to be a little weird. Because um, there has been uh, two other movies that take place after Resident Evil 4. Um, so I'm curious to see... I, I'm guessing that Infinite Darkness is going to basically take place around the same time resident evil 5 happened would that make sense to you yeah i guess so like and and that's an interesting point is is capcom is is capcom ignoring resident evil 5 and 6 like i know 5 wasn't nearly as hated as 6 but they've really avoided 5 and 6 at all costs in terms of acknowledgement yeah uh, well, five did better than six did. There's a lot of hate for six, and I can't lie. I hate that game. <laughs> yeah. It's the only Resident Evil game I've never played all the way through. It had a lot going for it, like in the sense that they wanted to have... So Resident Evil games, like, what what characters are we going to focus on? You know, and... Uh, these past games, uh, seven and eight, have had you know sprinklings of Chris uh, and Umbrella, Umbrella, but no like mate. You're not playing. A, you're playing a new major character, Ethan Winters. But um, Resident Evil Six was like, well, what if you got to play as everybody, and you got a chapter for each character? Like you were playing as Leon. You were playing as I. I, I don't think Claire was in it though. Uh, uh. No, I can't I remember. Think a, I, th I, I can't remember. You There is a segment where you play as a female hero. There's two segments where you play as a fem female hero. There's one where you play as Ada, 
And then there's another one where I want to say you play as Jill, it's, maybe? No, it's isn't it Sherry? Sherry Birkin? Yes. I, I know Sherry's in it, but I can't remember if you play as her or not. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, according to this Resident Evil, uh, Claire is not in Resident Evil 6. Yeah. She's somewhere else. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's best not to invoke I, that game. I, I, I beat the Leon segment, and I think the Ada segment, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I got halfway through the Chris segment. And Chris's segment plays like Gears of War, but with Resident Evil, Evil ammo amounts. So you're constantly like, I'm out of ammo. Oh crap, I gotta go run over and I killed one dude. Let's see how much ammo. Oh, he gave me five handgun rounds. Great. How many guys are coming at me? 20. I guess I'm gonna have to fight them with the knife. <laughs> and it's like trying to play Gears of War with a melee weapon. It's just really bad. Oh man. Well, for reference, the characters that were in RE6 was uh, playable characters. You had Chris, you had Leon, Ada, Sherry was a playable character. She's all She's all grown up. Um, you had Jake Muller, Piers Nivens, Helena Harper, Carla Redemains, although that looks like it might have been DLC. So some new characters in there that have just sort of popped up. One of them is one of them is Wesker's son. Yeah, I think that's Jake. Yeah, that's Wesker's son. Yep. Illegitimate son of Albert Wesker, according to Wikipedia. Uh, yep. Not throwing shade, but that's I'm just reading the news here. Um, uh, uh, the uh, not to bring this back to Resident Evil Eight, no. uh, but I will say uh, one of the biggest surprises for me playing through that game is is it does tie into Resident Evil itself in a very big way. Oh, like Resident um, Evil One or Resident Evil? Just... All of them. Oh, okay. Uh, there are uh, when you through to the end of that game you kind of get filled in on some big picture stuff with umbrella interesting and and, and it sounds dumb because it's this village with these weird people and you're killing lycanthrope zombies and you're like this is weird how what does this have to do with resident evil and then there's one segment where you find out one thing and everything kind of goes full circle and you go oh huh Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I think that's where what people want, right? They want their Resident yeah. Evil games to kind of, you know, and it's, fit and the it's timeline. better than Resident Evil Seven because in Resident Evil Seven you play and you get to the boat and you find out that that boat is an umbrella boat that sank in the Louisiana Bayou for some reason, and you're like, oh, this is how it's tied to Resident Evil. Oh, okay. Um, and and it was kind of like. It set in seven. It kind of feels a little weak, you know. If 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 you understand what I mean, it's not the greatest premise, but it's a fun game. And in eight, when you get to the point where it ties in, you go, oh, oh, and then there's a couple more moments where you go, oh, now everything makes sense to me. Hmm. Well, that's really good. I'm glad it. I'm glad it does connect. Um, I mean, so, we. So yeah. seeing this, seeing this infinite darkness thing. I, I, I'm expecting there's going to be some kind of hints towards the Ethan Winters story. You think they're going to connect this Netflix series to uh, the newer games? I mean, that would make sense, right? Because there hasn't really been 
connective tissue. I'm guessing something in this is going to talk about that boat going missing in the Louisiana Bayou. That would be cool. I'd like to see that. Like, I, I think that that's one of the major concerns people have is that the two series don't feel connected. The other thing, the other thing I want to say is people keep saying that this is going to be a series. I'm not sure that this is going to be a series and not just a, a, a long ass movie. Yeah. Like more of a mini series than a, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, it is animated and I know Netflix has really been getting into having, you know, multiple series of, uh, a video game also, stuff behind the scenes uh netflix is helping produce this but this is also being developed by the same team that has done all the other digital movies oh so you think netflix is just the distributor i think netflix paid for distribution and maybe helped help them fund the project but that's that's about it i think that this is a strictly capcom digital movie much like the other movies we've got in the past interesting uh, well, you know, uh, we'll, we'll be back to Resident Evil in just a little bit, but uh, we have a couple of quick fires here. Uh, back for Blood has been pushing their marketing out, and this is the Left for Dead spiritual successor. Um, we talked about the card trailer before, which was uh, more mechanics, less, you know, character. But we finally did get the official characters and zombies trailer kind of introducing us to who we're going to be playing as and how they adapted all the crazy zombies from Left 4 Dead and made it so they wouldn't get sued by Valve. Um, <laughs> did you get a chance to watch this trailer? Because I, I thought it was amazing. I watched it when it first came out, so I, it's a little rusty on me. But I thought that the whole idea was very interesting. I like the fact that we're having more than four heroes. Um, it definitely makes it feel like there's going to be some variety. Yeah, I think there's like six or eight. I, there's, I think there's eight or nine. Yeah, it felt like a good chunk, and that was the thing for me is, like, I felt like in Left 4 Dead, they poured so much personality into those characters that I wanted to see more. Um, I felt like, yeah, maps, adding maps and scenarios was really cool, but, uh, you know, give us more characters, and I think that's where, when you look at, you know, the last time we talked about this with the cards trailer and the cosmetics... The best way to to tell me you're going to sell cosmetics in a shop is alongside that to say, we're going to be adding free maps, free characters. And they may have already committed to this. I, I, I just haven't seen it yet. But I would love to see them expand the game with more characters as they go. Because I think the personality of these characters that they've introduced so far, I'm excited. That was one of my favorite things with the uh, original Left 4 Dead. was It started out with four characters and then... The you unlocked four more characters when two came out. And then I believe later on they added patches where you can actually play through the segments of one or two with the characters from the other game. And that changes the dialogue. Uh, you know, Nick is going to, Nick is going to respond way different than, uh, than Lewis when certain situations happen. And so it changes the dialogue and it actually makes you, want to play through with every character yeah i'm looking forward to it i can't wait until the game comes out uh these character sort of spotlights have just made me more interested so look forward to the game when it launches later this year in october speaking of zombie video game releases uh this is this is a bit of old news but i felt like we couldn't we couldn't cut it just due to the fact that it is uh it is what inspired our our podcast name but lucasfilm games is re-releasing two 16-bit classics, 
Most importantly, Zombies Ate My Neighbors and its sequel, Ghoul Patrol, are going to be coming on June 29th to PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Switch. Lou, how do you feel about going back to these classic SNES games? Uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbor has been one of my favorite games since the day it came out on Super Nintendo. Um, I will say I don't think it's aged well. Um, it's ridiculously hard. Um, the original game has, I think it's 55 levels or 58 levels. Um, I have beat the game, but man, once you get to like level 30, that thing just, it's obnoxious. I'm hoping when they release it, they let they let you have save states, because without save states, that game is impossible. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually really excited to see Ghoul Patrol, because if I remember correctly, that was a European release only. I don't think that ever had a U.S. release. I didn't even know it existed, so it wouldn't surprise me. I've played it because I've played a ROM of it. Uh-huh. Um, it's basically like this. It is a sequel to Zombies Ate My Neighbors, and it's just as it starts out like at the difficulty of like midway through Zombies Ate My Neighbors. So it starts out. It literally starts throwing you to the wolves like by the second stage. Hmm. Interesting. That sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> I personally uh, remember Zombies Ate My Neighbors as the first zombie video game I ever played. And I have a feeling a lot of people are going to share that sentiment because it was SNES. Um, I, I can't think of many zombie games that came before it, but it really feels like the beginning of of the zombie genre in, in, with video games. Because um, it predated, you know, Resident Evil by by just a couple of years, because it was still in the Super NES. But I don't know if I've ever shared this sentiment on the game, but I do own a, an SNES copy of Zombies Ate My Neighbors, and the reason I own it is because I rented it so many times at the video store that my mother literally just said, "Stop renting it. I'll just buy it for you." <laughs> Been there. Yeah, uh, it it's so a, a correction here. Uh, it came out in '93, and the sequel was '95. Um, and uh, you'll be happy to know, Lou, that the the one of the features is a modern save system, so you can quickly save your progress in either game and continue your adventure whenever and wherever you want. So there you go. That's a big deal. Um, there's also going to be uh, two-player local co-op, which I, I believe was in the first game. Yeah, it's in the first game, and it's in. It was also in. Um, it was also in uh, Gold Patrol as well. Mm-hmm. Well, this is exciting. Uh, maybe there's a way we can try to figure out. Steam has that remote play that we tried a little bit with Stubbs the Zombie. Maybe we can use that to do like the couch co-op and maybe. Uh, give that a shot. Um, back to Resident Evil for a little bit. They have detailed the Dead by Daylight crossover with Resident Evil, and I believe, I believe it's out already. This. I believe it's already out now. Is it? I thought it was late June. No, I, 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 I thought June 15th. So soon. 15th. It might as well yeah. be now. That's in like two yeah. weeks. Um, um, and they did exactly what I told you they were going to do. You did. You were right. I, I, I should never question you when it comes to... Uh, <laughs> This this is basically it feels like common sense. I mean, who do you add to the game? You add the most popular characters from the last two remakes, which are Leon, Jill, and Nemesis. You've already got the yep. models, right? You've already got the yep. reference art. Yep. Yeah. That's it. That that is literally it. Yeah. So June fifteenth, 
Uh, new killer for Dead by Daylight will be uh, Nemesis, and then the two survivors are Leon and Jill in their RE2 and RE3 uh, remake look. I am not good at that game. I do not play that game. And that game lost me when it started putting out like a new DLC every week. Yeah, there's a there's new chapters every couple months. That game DLC is not cheap. Uh yeah, I mean they they go between they go for somewhere between 20 and 10 dollars per DLC and there's like 25 DLCs and I'm like, "Man, I'm not giving you 10 bucks or 20 bucks every couple of months to play a game I'm not good at." Well, here's the thing. This is where this is what what I've embraced with this game. Like there are people who buy uh every pack of DLC honestly to look forward a little bit. It's kind of perfect timing. But uh, our guest next episode will be Jocelyn Kearney and she loves Dead by Daylight. So she'll be able to sort of talk about it. I'm sure we'll get a chance to play it. Maybe we can we can figure out a time that we can all all play. But uh it, I I've I found that the game can be fun. Uh, in the right moments and with the right people who know what they're doing and can kind of guide you. But also, like, don't feel like you have to buy all the DLC. The only DLC I've ever bought is Ash from uh, Ash vs. the Evil Dead as a survivor. That's it. You know? Like, you get to fight all the killers you want. You don't need to own the DLC. You only need to own the DLC for the killers if, if you are, uh, if, you're, if you want to use those killers. But honestly, I haven't, I, I find it's more fun to be the survivor than the than the killers because the killers have all the mechanics that you have to use and it is helpful to have an understanding of the killers when you're when you're trying to survive because you can kind of know what's going on but to me that's part of the fun of playing like basically every once a year basically around extra life is like I have no idea what I'm doing so it makes it extra scary <laughs> when things are happening um, but I'm excited I I think this will be the first DLC I kind of buy day one you know like uh they have a stranger things pack they have a silent hill pack i've added those to my wish list on steam and and i've kind of ignored sales as they've come and gone but this you know the look and feel of these characters look really great and they fit really well with the dead by daylight art style so um i'm excited about this uh do you, do you feel like you know having said what you said about the dlc do you feel like this one will kind of all right, I'll upgrade my Dead by Daylight experience to have Resident Evil, or will you wait for a sale? I'll wait for a sale. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. I, and in all honesty, like I, I should go back into the game. I think the last time I played the game, I think the game was severely broken. That'll do it. <laughs> and so um, I think they've patched my problems with the game since the last time I played. So I mean, maybe I should go back in. Yeah. I, I give it a shot and maybe we can we can try it around Resident Evil time and, and see how it goes. Um, one more news story here as we move, before we move into our main topic and that is Dying Light 2 finally has a release date and it's coming out December 7th as of this recording. It could get delayed again, but they are targeting a December 7th, 2021 release date. This was alongside like a 40 minute gameplay uh, showcase. I watched a good portion of it. And I gotta say, it uh, looks like more Dead by Daylight. So, or not Dead by Daylight, more Dying Light. It looks like more Dying Light, and that looks f- that looks fun to me. As long as they take, a- oh no, it looks like they've done. You're gonna be infected again, and you're gonna need to get the pills, or you're gonna die. Um, <laughs> that was the thing for me that took me out of that game. 
Yeah. That is sort of the dying light sort of feature where you you and others are infected, but there is a cure. And you have to shoot up the cure like every day or two. So the game becomes more about trying to find the drops so you have a stockpile of them. And so you can actually do stuff in the game. And it felt like busy work to me. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like... I don't really remember the first one very well, but it feel it feels like it was more story-based. Like, it wasn't something you had to do, like, every 20 minutes, like when you caught malaria in Far Cry 2. It's not every 20 minutes, but it's like every 24 hours you have to find a, a needle to stick yourself. And they drop... And they only drop, like, two of the paradrops, like, a day. And if you didn't find the paradrops... You were stuck. And you ended up having to, like, sell equipment to buy, have enough money to buy one to to do stuff. And it, it to me, it just felt like it was artificially extending the gameplay. Yeah. I think the biggest parts that I liked in Dying Light 2, like, if we want to talk about what, what we liked and then what's coming back, was, like, the, the free running... The melee combat and also the first person driving. I felt like for the first time in a while, they really nailed what usually sucks in first person shooters, right? Like, yeah. And and it looks like that's back. But I know um, if we want to go back to something we didn't like, they've brought back the nighttime system where it's like they're encouraging you to go out at night, even though it's super unsafe. Uh, but it looks like all the monsters are going to come get you. It. it it sort of heightens up that parkour, whereas opposed to using it to just kind of sneak around zombies, you're now having to use it to get away from from much meaner enemy types. So, yeah, the, I yeah. always found the nighttime stuff was annoying more than anything. But once you figured out gimmicks, you could get away from it. It was just annoying. Um, but like I said, my biggest, I think my biggest gripe in that game was the villain was super generic. Like, it felt like they were trying to make a Far Cry villain and did it really lamely. Like, I never... You were supposed to be... Feel like he was supposed to be funny, but he wasn't. Yeah, I don't remember him, to be honest. So, like... When you meet him, they they play it up like he's, like, this big, scary bad guy. And he starts, like, making, like, like fart jokes or something. And I remember being like, this is the guy everybody's afraid of? And he's yelling at me and he's telling me I need to do stuff or he's going to kill me. Great. Like, why can't I just fight him now and be over with this? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember much of the story. I just remember really enjoying the gameplay once you, once you got into it. I do remember I do remember my favorite segment that I played in the first game was uh, electricity can be used to kill the zombies. And there's an entire segment where you need to turn power on back to the city. And you have to go find this generator, and the whole yard is full of zombies. And if you avoid the zombies and then turn on the generator, it electrocutes all the zombies. And I remember that being awesome. Yeah, now the environmental traps and the environmental stuff you could set up—it all—it looks like that's all back as well to even a higher degree. Where um, this was part of the E3 showcase a few years ago, but it was like you could make a decision to flood an area or uh, which would, you know, move water out of another area, opening up more stuff to explore, but would affect a lot of, like, another portion of, like, another faction. So, like, there's a lot of these, like, large decision points that will affect the narrative as well as the environment. And 
I, I'm curious to see, like that was a big bullet point on their sort of marketing list. And I'm really interested to see if they can pull that off because a lot of games sort of bring up like, oh, your choices matter and they, they affect, you know, the gameplay deeply. And I really hope that's the case because anytime someone says that it's usually smoke, right? It's not, it's not yeah. actually happening. So um, hopefully, hopefully we'll see that. Uh, but we'll have to wait till December 7th to check that out. So look forward to that. But uh, now we get to our main event. And um, we are going to be talking about Army of the Dead. Think about it. Everything we did, all those people we saved. Look what it got us. Now what if, if just once, we did something just for us? We could die. Yeah, we'll probably die. <laughs> Some of us at least. Fifty million dollars. Fifty million. What's the split? Even however many ways? Figure you, me, and Vander will take fifteen million each, assuming he'll do it. Everybody else who isn't family. Nobody needs to know our cut. Now you're getting it. <laughs> so, uh, Army of the Dead. You may remember we did a uh, audio commentary, a watch along last episode, and we thank those who joined us. But we have returned. We, you know, we watched the movie and talked about it in in line with the movie. And uh, we figured, hey, let's uh, let's also just compose our thoughts and, and talk about it in sort of one neat package here. So, Lou, uh, I don't need to tell you about this movie. We've watched it. Uh, a lot of our listeners hopefully have watched it alongside our, our in-the-moment thoughts. But um, Army of the Dead, following a zombie outbreak in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. Directed by Zack Snyder, uh, follow-up to Dawn of the Dead, one of the first zombie movies that I I watched and and truly enjoyed, Um, and it kind of got me kicking on this zombie genre, but he's back with Netflix's Army of the Dead. Lou, what did you what did you think? Now that you had a chance to sort of sit with it for a couple of weeks, like what did you think about Army of the Dead? Really like it. Uh, there's some things that I don't love, but I there was nothing I couldn't forgive. Um, I feel like the opening scene and what causes the zombie outbreak. I love the military guys driving around something that they don't know what it is. Um, I think a better uh, I think a better opening would have been some men attacking the 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 military and it going badly. I think that was been more interesting than some guy uh, fooling around with his wife in the front seat of their car, driving headfirst into the tra- thing. I think it would have been more interesting to have somebody attack them. And then reveal later on that maybe it was the same guy that hired our heroes. I think that would have been a more interesting opening. Yeah. Now that you mention that, like I 
really dug the opening, uh, the army, you know, have not watching it with other folks and, you know, trying to talk over, over a film, you kind of pick up more on like the mist. There's a lot of mystery. There's a lot of like, we're going to get a Netflix series out of this because we're going to just drop so many hints because, you know, they're very clearly from picking this thing up from area 51, the army guys in that are talking, they don't know what's in it, but they're like, they know of Area 51. We just picked this up at Area 51. They reference like a hangar, sort of like, what's in there? Is it Bigfoot? Is it uh, Amelia Earhart, but alive? And there's a lot of that discussion. And I think it's sort of, it's downplayed by the fact that they're taking, like this large army convoy is taken out by some, you know, dude who, you know, uh, drives off, you know, fades into the other lane and uh causes a big crash and yeah the crash looks superb it's uh, the visual effects some of the best stuff in the film um but it almost it almost dampens that build up it's almost like ooh they're building up to some like mystery here ah oh, no rogue blowjob is just going to take care of this don't worry yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and it's just uh i get it i i understand where you're coming from it's a little defeating but it also fits in really well with the zombie genre of like, you know, um, the misplaced sex scene leading to a bunch of people getting killed. Like that is eighties horror to a T and, and then, like I said, said, it's not unforgivable. It just feels like there was a better way they could have done this. And they went with the, they went with the, the, the most obscure, weird way, tantalizing, way you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it just felt it was fine um th- like but that was the that was the one takeaway i was like oh, okay that's how we're gonna start this that's fine okay let's move on to the next thing and then immediately i mean i loved the scene with the military soldiers out in the desert and that thing gets them i thought that was awesome um but again my thought was is this thing comes out of the tankers why isn't anybody throwing hand grenades at this thing <laughs> they don't know what's in there right like yeah they don't know what's in there they you know for all they know it could just be like an object that you know they had to keep in this the doors for them you know not to keep something in but just to allow you to transport like i i i think like they kind of craft this whole movie in this whole universe in a way where there's very few holes that could be poked poked in it unless those holes are already there and deliberately left by the filmmakers. And we're going to talk about, I kind of kept a running tally of all the plot holes that were sort of left, but are they really plot holes if they're like deliberate holes, you know, like that they can fill through. We already know we're getting a prequel series in anime. Um, that is, uh, basically army of the dead Las Uh, I almost said Las Vegas again. No, it is Las Vegas. And uh, that's an anime. And then you're getting a prequel movie with the safe cracker Dieter, um, who is funny enough going to be directing and starring in it. So there's a lot of pre, you know, Army of the Dead. And and very, there's very likely going to be a sequel because, I mean, this thing's doing amazing on Netflix. And Zack Snyder has essentially said, we're going to do it. But um, like the movie has a lot of, heart but also a lot of action and a lot of funny moments that i think are earned right um yeah and a lot of like they are not afraid to kill characters like a pretty much everybody dies in this film except for two characters um 
there there were a couple of uh like questionable moments in terms of like some people not dying but then i guess at the end there's a nuke so it's pretty safe to say (laughs) that whoever maybe dies off screen probably gets killed in the nuclear blast but um maybe uh we have a hero that does survive the nuclear blast and i think that that was my only thing that i think the only other thing i didn't like about the movie was i also thought that the guy in the vault surviving was kind of cheesy yeah but again i can forgive it i can forgive it you know it's not the end of the world i've seen movies with worse and liked movies with worse my struggle was that and and they do drop you know the hint that like, oh it was a low yield nuke but at the end of the day if he was walking out of that safe he's probably being well let's rewind a little bit like when he walks out of that safe uh at the end of the film you know, after the nuke goes off, we're all thinking like a nuke just went off. He's being radiated to to no end. He's going to die. No problem. But then yeah. at the end, it's revealed that he got bit. So like he's immune. Maybe that's why he's still alive. But why didn't he turn so quick? Like we saw at the very beginning of the film, the you get bit, you turn, you, you turn right away. Even if you're bit by the alpha, like you turn right away into, you know, another alpha uh, zombie. And, yeah, so like, there's a lot of these. That's that was one of the biggest plot holes. But again, like, I think they can explain it in a sequel. Um, you know, they're going to going to Mexico City. That seems to be where they're going. But uh, you know, I, a lot of people give Zack Snyder a hard time about his writing and his cinematography. But like, he makes a great action movie. He uh, there was nothing in this movie that I didn't not enjoy. Um, I loved seeing the bad guy from uh, Luke Cage as the bad guy in this. And then they have him turn into a zombie and chase the chick around. And it was satisfying to watch him get killed again. Like, that was all fun. Um, I liked and enjoyed every character in this game, in this movie. It felt like an Oceans movie, but with zombies. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed every minute of it. Um I thought the the I thought the the zombies were cool. I, the smart zombies were cool. I thought the dumb zombies were cool. I thought uh, the 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 fact that the the queen zombie was pregnant was a, a neat idea. Um, I like all the weird throw-ins that 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 in post watches you notice. Like there's a couple of scenes where there's flying saucers in the background. There's a oh. couple of scenes where they mention some other stuff. They could hint where the zombies came from, but they never give you a definitive answer. Like, there's all kinds of really cool stuff in this movie. The only thing I didn't like is, uh, I don't know, sometimes Zack Zach, Zach Snyder isn't the greatest writer of all time. It's <laughs> all really interesting, but it felt like he threw too much in. Yeah, the, so uh, you you make a, a good point. Like, do you want to talk about characters? Because I got lots of clips. All my clips are pretty much character. But then I also have plot hole clips. Uh, what do you what do you want to do first? Let's do characters first. All right. So uh, right off the bat, you've got um, the the actress who replaced, uh, well, was basically re- replaced an entire character, and this is uh, Tig Notaro, and she she has some of the best lines in in the whole film. Yeah, I'm I'm not super familiar with her her work, but like. At first glance, if you don't know who she is, it really feels like she's just like plainly delivering these lines. But I think that's the that's just she's uh, her sense of humor is very dry. 
uh, in other things I've seen her in as well. Mm-hmm. So I felt to me like they were just they it felt like they rewrote the dialogue to match. Um, it felt like they rewrote the dialogue to kind of match her sense of humor. Yeah, and I, I guess I was gonna say like it just feels like she reads the lines and like in anybody else's hands, it would feel as though it was not it was done poorly but because she's delivering the lines it feels really great so like this was one of my she's got a few interactions but near the beginning of the film when they basically recruit her for the heist uh this was a fun little bit if i had two million dollars my life would change drastically yeah thank you yes you sure you don't want to know uh i bet it has something to do with a helicopter yeah i'm the helicopter guy yeah yeah where do I sign? Okay. <laughs> so, and again, like, she's reading the lines, but she's so deadpan that, you know, it's it's all good. Uh, she has a couple other moments where she she's, like, basically throwing Dillahunt under the bus. I'm not trying to be the bad guy. We should be incentivized to let him die. What? What's everybody looking at me for? Uh, and then this was my favorite line that she had in the film. Guy, was that a zombie in a goddamn cave? Just fly! <laughs> so, she she is fantastic. Uh, you know, and and really well put in the film, and I think, you know, you, you wouldn't notice, if you didn't know that she was basically digitally replacing another actor, you probably wouldn't place it. You'd probably chalk up a lot of the little glitches and weirdness to just like special effects you know um or maybe like netflix compression it's very hard to kind of see it unless you're looking for it um i don't know if you felt the same way there was only two or three segments of the whole movie with scenes with her where i could tell she was digitally added um i uh and she has joked since that she's never met Dave Batista and she can't wait to meet him in real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but the other thing too is is that is that she filmed all of these segments. Uh, the on- there was only one scene she filmed with another actor. Uh, they brought back one actor or two actors to film a scene with her, and she didn't even know if she was ever going to be included in this movie because of the way they filmed it. So when she when she saw the trailer herself, she was surprised. She was like, "Oh." They are going to put me in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and she works really well. I, I think the only reason, the, you know, a fault I put in the film is like they kill her off. They kill off a lot of characters and they kill her off. And it's like, I really would have liked to see more of her, but I hope they bring her back for the prequel anime. Like I would love to see, because again, like you get the sense that they've, well, you know that they've worked together before. So it feels like they're getting the band back together. So it really feels like, her character could be a part of that prequel series because she was she was part of the group. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see more of that. Uh, you know, another standout character, probably my favorite character in the whole film was Dieter, the safecracker. And he just has a lot of like funny lines, like fish out of water. He's not the zombie killer, but he's there to crack the safe. And he is the the most important character in, in the film because without him, they can't get into the safe. So he is, he, he was constantly clashing with other characters, but because he is the most important person, because he can crack the safe, like they kind of have to just go with it. Um, 
you, you speaking of the safe. Yeah. You remember the scene where they they get to the safe, and I can't remember if it's Dieter or one of the other characters looks around the room, and you see the bodies in the, of the dead in the room, and it looks like it's them, like they've been there before. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that there is a theory now that it's a time loop? Yes, I did. And uh, I actually, just so folks can kind of relive this, I did capture the moment where they where they have this discussion. And it's and it, like, it's not just like, you know, oh, uh, someone saw it off frame and did an analysis. Like, no, like they literally address it in the film. And uh, it's really great. Is it another team or is it us, Dieter? Huh? Think about it. Us. I mean, look at them. It's us. It could be us in another timeline. And we're caught in some infinite loop of fighting and dying. Fighting and dying, fighting and dying. And Tanaka, puppet master, devil, god, and we, you, me, Goose, and the rest of the team, simply pawns in some perverse play where we're destined to repeat our failures. And finally, in some mind-bending, ironic reveal, it all begins again. Cool. <laughs> uh, they, they really, they just throw it out there. And bef- I didn't catch this the first time I watched it, but the second time, they actually hint at the time loop uh, before this, where... They get there, and they find they get to the casino, and they find them. They find maps of the safe, and maps of the location, and um, you know, uh, Batista turns to Dillahunt and says, "Like, did you know this? You know, Tahaka sent other teams, and he and and you know, at the time, Dillahunt's like, oh, I didn't know anything, and but is he seems sincere, right? In comparison to any other time, he does the evil laugh, ha ha ha, I'm bad." he seems sincere in that moment and combined with, you know, the, the time loop at the, at the bottom, like, yes, it could be multiple teams that he sent in because the, the zombie quarantines feels like it's been going on for a while. Like Vegas is pretty run down, but could it be a time loop? I mean, I think that's one of the things I like the most about this movie is there's so many like little hints as to what it could be that it's both fun and frustrating at the same time. Cause you kind of want Zack Snyder to be like, no, it's this. Yeah. Just answer the damn question. And he has not answered it. He said that he's thrown all these things in to just make you talk about it. Yeah. But they, they feel like they fit, you know, they don't yeah. feel uh random. They feel as though you can leave them there as it is. And they don't take away from the film. They add to it. And yeah, like, being on Netflix, you feel like, oh, we got to be edgy. We got to be water cooler. We got to be Game of Thrones every week, you know, when it was good. And I think this film achieves that without being cheesy. And I, and maybe, you know, people disagree, but. I think the thing I liked about this movie is there wasn't a character I didn't like. Even Dillahunt's jerk character. Like, I I enjoyed him being the bad guy. He, he plays, you know, I was reminded of this, like, I remember him from Raising Hope and uh, and obviously Fear the Walking Dead, but someone had pointed out to me that he played mostly bad guys before those roles. Like, he was a Terminator in the Terminator TV series, and I, 
it almost feels like a different person. One of my favorite roles is there's a really obscure TV show that only ran for two years. Um, it's called Life, and it stars um, uh, what's his name that was the bad guy in the first season of uh, Claire Danes' show. Uh, I don't know. Claire Danes. Why is that name ringing a bell, but I'm not placing it? Um, is it on, what, what channel was it on? Like, it was or, that Showtime show. Oh, um. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, I'm you'll have to look it up. Me. Well, while you're looking that up, I, I, I will buy you some time because I have a clip of Dillahunt being evil and this is great. Oh my God, I got you twice. I got you twice. Slow learner. Tanaka doesn't give a shit about the money. What's in this bag? Well, ten times what's in that vault. Okay. I'm gonna go kill that dumbass pilot. Now she's fixed the chopper, fly myself out of here. Au revoir. <laughs> Moron. <laughs> he, keep, he keeps speaking French to Lily, and uh, I think as, as, sort of a, as, as sort of a dig. I was thinking of Homeland. She's, uh, she's the lead in Homeland. And the first villain of that series is Damian Lewis. Yep. Yeah, and Damian Lewis plays a, in that show. It's called Life. He plays a cop that went to jail for a crime he didn't commit. He was going to serve life in prison, and after like twenty years, it's revealed he didn't commit the crime, and uh, he sues the city of like L.A. to get his job back and becomes a millionaire, but also becomes a cop. And his he uses being a cop to investigate who framed him for murder. And like it, it becomes like this like conspiracy theory conspiracy show where like he's trying to put the pieces together the pieces together, and Dillahunt plays a recurring villain in this show where he's like a Russian guy like a Russian mob guy and as the show plays out you think he's like the low level like like just like the middle management guy. And then as the show plays out, you realize that Dillahunt is actually the mastermind, pretending to be the middleman. <laughs> and and you don't realize it until like the very end. And, and that was the first thing I'd ever seen Dillahunt in. And I remember and and so the reoccurring joke with my wife and I is whenever I see him on screen, I go, "Oh, it's the Russian." <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I'd never heard of that series. And uh, yeah, I remember Damian Lewis from Homeland, and I guess he's on Billionaires now yeah um but yeah that uh that's that's interesting um yeah he he's great in this and it's really great to see him be a bad guy i think he plays a a really good bad guy he also is not a he he finds the zombie tigers to be just infuriating there's a goddamn zombie tiger that's crossing the line <laughs> and it kind of comes back to bite him in the head at the end um, you knew it would every time he was a dick i'm like oh it's gonna it's gonna get you killed buddy gonna get you killed i i watched that scene again uh you know when i was re-watching the film and man they did such a good job of him being killed by that tiger it's all it's nearly seamless if it, if not for the fact that it is a zombie tiger like you'd think wow that guy got mauled by a tiger and it is just so gruesome they don't cut away they show everything and it's just it's gnarly but like that is the that is that is your shot of like they've been building this guy up he's he's always been a bit of a dink and then at the end he's revealed to be the bad guy that screws everyone over and uh he's in there for nefarious means he's trying to uh take the head of the the queen zombie to to basically sell it as a bioweapon and he just you get your he gets 
he gets his, uh, you know, he gets his and he dies. And it's, it's literally like, okay, we're going to kill the bad guy in such a, a terrible way. And you get to see it all. And it's building up to this moment. Yeah. I, I, everything with him was awesome. Uh, I liked, uh, our main hero, um, uh, a lot, but I felt like they made him too, too, uh, passive. Like he seemed to be in charge, but he was the quiet. <laughs> yes, and, and, and that always was always whispering, and, and 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 that was fine. Like I didn't hate it, but if there was anything, I would have liked him to have spoken up a little more. Yeah, yeah. I I, I almost wonder if the, you know, as Dave Batista, like he doesn't want to be typecast where if he's like the loud aggressive character you're always going to compare him to drax and i really felt like in this film he was a different character he was a different uh side of dave batista that we've that i've seen i've not seen him in much but i know he he's in um the the blade runner sequel and I, i i don't think he's in it for long but a lot of people really liked him in that but um I think he was all right. Like he played the action chops really well. There's a lot of moments in the film where he just, uh, he gets a lot of attention from, from an action standpoint, but he still nails the lines. And, uh, in a way where when he's interacting with other characters, you really feel it. Like you feel that friendship he has, uh, with some of his, his folks that he, um, during like the, what I call the prequel opening credits, um, you really feel that he he has this camaraderie with his team, but then he's also like he, he's interacting with these other characters he doesn't know, and in a way that feels like oh, crap, these guys are gonna get us killed type vibe, right? So yeah. it it fits, but you're right. Like I feel like he could have been a little more aggressive when it came to to leading the team, but it felt like he trusted his main crew, so he kind of let it. He was kind of more of a four yeah. people leading the team as opposed to just him. Yeah, and that was fine. I, I like I said, if, they, if if we're nitpicking, that was one of my one of my nitpicks. Um, I would have loved to have seen more people survive, but I get what they were doing. Um, I'm curious. Zack Snyder has already said he has a ton of ideas for the sequel, and as and I would agree. I think that uh, I think there's plenty of ideas for a sequel. My only gripe is, is I don't think the sequel's gonna be a heist movie. No, and I think, and I think that's what I liked about this movie the most was the fact that it was a heist. Well, I think the genre combination really helps it stand out from other zombie films, which is literally just survive, right? In this, they're like they're going into the fray on purpose and having to survive while still trying to complete their goal. So I agree with you. The sequel could very well be like big action movie in Mexico City, you know. Um, but I would like to see them sort of try to uh, to do something different like they've done here. Um, this is actually a, probably a good moment where I, so I when I rewatched it, I kind of listed all of the the loose plot threads, like the, the the plot holes, so to speak. And at the start, we already talked about this, a lot of area fifty one name dropping in terms of where the cargo came from. Um, there's, as you said, I, I didn't see the UFOs. I know it was mentioned to me, and I forgot to look out for it, and I'll probably have to look it up after this. But there's a lot of, like, could it be aliens, you know? Like, the UFOs is a very strong hint, and I got to check that out. Um, zombie Baby that starts off, like, bright, 
you know, glowing blue and then um, turns into like what you would assume uh, like a, a dead fetus would look like, just like really red and gross. And, um, you know, all everyone sort of, all the zombies mourn and, you, you know, it's it's established that the baby has died. So like, is there there's something going on there that might be alien? Um, you know, at the very end, when the, the alpha zombies kill, like there's a lot of like bright glowing bits that are coming out of his head. So again, like screaming alien, you know? And the other thing too is, is if you're watching the movie... And I, I, I didn't notice it so much the first time because I wasn't watching it on a big screen. I was watching it down here on my computer. And it's just a, I have a 23-inch monitor down here. So it's not, and it's not the greatest. Um, I missed it. But if you watch the movie a second time, which I haven't watched all the way through a second time. I just watched parts because I heard something about this. There are zombies that look like there are robots in yeah. the backgrounds of shots. And apparently he did that on purpose. And when people ask him why they're there, he's like, I'm not telling you. And it's like, it's like, like, I, I like I said, I, I both love the fact that he's doing this and hate the fact that he's doing this. It's both awesome and annoying at the same time. Well, I think it's, it's really smart of him because like, again, it feels earned. At least that's how I felt. Like we don't get a lot of really great zombie films. We get a lot of like, this is a zombie film and it's good because it's a zombie film. I think this is good because there's a lot of great world building. It's different. And the robot zombies, like he's actually done a couple quotes on this one. And he said, like, are they alien zombies? Are they robots planted by the government to keep an eye on what's going on in, in you know, in, in the Vegas quarantine? Like there's a lot of theories that he's throwing out that he's heard. Obviously he knows what's going on because he's, he's the mastermind behind this, but the robot zombies are very clearly seen like one gets one gets shot in the head and I'm, and we if you listen to our audio commentary like we literally saw it and I'm like was that a robot like what's going on here you know and it's very clearly there it's hidden it's not hidden it's it's in plain sight um you know we talked about the time loop theory where again it's it's referenced by the characters in like a funny cheeky way but also the, like not just the bodies next to the safe. We saw the clip, but also the the found maps when they first arrive very much felt like a nod to sort of a loop theory. Um, there was, this could be easily explained, but how awesome would this be if we get the, 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 uh, the animated sequel, a prequel thing, and then we get an actual sequel movie. And at the end of the sequel movie, it's revealed that, the aliens are, 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 are have stuck us in a time loop. Yeah. And that they're trying to give us a way to get out. And every time they fail, it's like they reset the movie. Hmm. How cool would that be? I, I would love to see them do something along those lines. Like, I, I don't mind the idea of, of aliens being present. I mean, uh, it's if, if they go, if the next film is like a sci-fi zombie, zombie mesh, like that would be an interesting genre combo if done properly. I mean, when I found out this was a heist zombie movie, it's like, oh, how are they going to do that? And I think they really pulled it off. Um, but yeah, like that would be really interesting. Like there was a couple other things that I noticed. Uh, Lily didn't die on screen. She's the person who was uh, smuggling people into the quarantine zone. Although, like, it's very clear that, you know, she was probably turned um, by the Alpha, uh, but they don't show it on screen. Yeah. Um, it's very likely she died, though, in the nuclear blast, but... 
Also, the helicopter at the end, they don't show what happened to her friend that they were rescuing. Yeah, they don't... Uh... Her, aunt, her, her, death is, her death or survival is left off camera. Yeah, it's sort of implied that um, but Batista's daughter is the only one to survive. But yeah, that's a good point. Like on the note of uh, Lily smuggling people in, they they show this in the film, but it's mentioned by Lily that she she left a dude inside the quarantine and he ended up showing back up outside the quarantine. And he basically said, like, I was captured. Um, the alpha zombie came in one by one and took us out of a room, but I managed to escape they never really address what is going on with those. You know, there's three people in the room. And then again, when the when the ladies get are in there, there's three people in the room and one of them gets taken before uh, Batista's daughter comes and sort of initiates a rescue. Uh, like what's like if they're turning them one by one, like it really felt like it didn't require leaving them in a room for hours on end and just taking them individually like. It was, it was not explained what was happening there. And again, like, it could be nothing. It could be nothing. But what if her friend who they escaped with, what if she's carrying a zombie baby? Yeah. And again, like, that would be really not great. But also, you're right. It could be, there could be something here to, you know, the baby theory where the the alpha zombie is an alien and he's just trying to create a baby <laughs> i don't know I, I leave it to Zack snyder to kind of figure that one out but yeah there's some weirdness there um it was three women in a room that we saw on camera but lily specifically mentions like a dude coming back like escaping from his original group but again maybe that's why he was able to escape because they were only capturing you know women i I don't know. It's tough. Uh, like, there's a lot of stuff that is implied off screen and then shown on screen that is super confusing. That could be. I mean, honestly, do you see them addressing it in a sequel? Do you or do you see them just leaving it? Like, no, we're gonna leave the baby alien alone. Like, you're just gonna have to sit there and just ponder that oh, one. I think they're gonna address it in a sequel. Yeah, I mean that one specifically was pretty on the nose. Like, but I could see the time loop theory just being like a fun. I'm messing with you, Dieter. <laughs> kind of moment it, it, it could be i'm i i really do hope that it's it's not them messing with us i hope that it is a time loop i think that would be really fun um how awesome how awesome would it be for them to for them to reveal it's a time loop and then we get the same movie again except they've added extra scenes to change the way the movie unfolds yeah. And then at the end, they just reshoot a couple scenes and some people, different people die and some different people get away at the end. I think that would be interesting. I mean, I get the sense that when they killed off Batista, it's like, it, he seems like, the, like, if you've, if you've ever, you know, read some of his interviews, he seems like the kind of person to be like, I'm going to do this and I'm never going to do it again. Like, he's very specific about his roles he takes. Um, but then again, like he's on the other side of it where like, I just want to star in all the Gears of War movies and, you know, I'm going to be Drax in a bunch of films. Although I think he's, he's pretty much he's, made it clear he's done. He has said now that it, that, that this is, this Guardians movie will probably be his last. It, it's the last in his contract, but yeah, it made, he made it sound like it wasn't a negotiating ploy. It's like, nah, I'm not, if he wanted to come back, he, he I mean, he's not going to pull like iron man money but i'm sure he could pull you know high value guardian money <laughs> he's probably the most sought after person 
on the Guardians team outside of, I mean, even Chris Pratt, I don't think he's really risen sort of above. Like a, Chris like, Pratt yeah. was really popular for a while, but I feel like his star is on the on the decline. I think he's just sort of plateauing, but I like yeah. Chris Pratt, but he's not he's not like he's not as in demand as as uh, good old Drax the Destroyer. Um, but I mean, you know, I'm really excited about this film. I want I can't wait to see where it goes. I mean, before I watched it, when they announced the prequel series and a prequel movie and and Zack Snyder was name was all over this. I was like, ah, I don't know, guys. Like, we just had that Justice League thing. I have not watched it yet, but man, Batman v Superman was not great. But I think this this movie proves that like Zack Snyder knows zombies, and I think he's he's got a good thing going here. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing more as we move forward. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of Dieter. He, he's getting a prequel scene. I mean, he had some great lines before. I, I got to play these before we close out. Watch your fingers, Mister Big Hand. So he, uh, that was to Batista. And then he was constantly screaming. <laughs> so we have that one for the vault. Uh, but Lou, any final thoughts on Army of the Dead before we close the book for now on uh, this chapter? Again, I, I think I'm going to watch this again. Uh, and, I, and I just, I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, it, it. It's nice to see Zack Snyder doing something I actually care about. Yeah. I agree. A great way to go out. I definitely agree with that sentiment. Um, well, coming up on Zamp, speaking of coming up, uh, we're going to have our next episode in a couple weeks, and we'll welcome our special guest, Jocelyn Kearney from The Angry Chicken and The Gamers Inn, chat about the second half of Fear the Walking Dead Season 6, and of course, more Resident Evil Village as we continue our adventures down that road. So definitely stay tuned. Uh, we have a, a quick follow-up email from Jacqueline. Uh, a month ago, we talked about her email. She wrote in, um, she's, uh, visually impaired and she had a question about how, uh, she could survive in the apocalypse and we provided some answers. She followed up with some more information. Uh, she says, I have some follow-up regarding my last email about being visually impaired during the zombie apocalypse. Having been born blind, my other senses are more acute. So that was something we assumed. Uh, this means that close combat with zombies would be inevitable. They would have to make the first move so I could easily hit them. I would re- recommend using your fists and your feet to beat them unconscious before sticking a crowbar in one of their eyes. So good on you. At least you've thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I had responded to the email and was like, the crowbar doesn't get enough love. You know, I know Half-Life no, sort not. of, you know, ran with it, but uh, the crowbar is such a great tool. And yes, it is good for poking and just uh, <laughs> wrenching and all that. So you can't go wrong. So uh, Jacqueline, thank you so much for writing in and, and confirming a few things, but also being a badass with a crowbar. Gotta love it. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of Zamp. Um, check out our Discord. It's hopping. Lots of great discussions going in there. Uh, Lonely Bob, who joined us for our audio commentary, does um, like a, a weekly cast where you can join him and watch some really cool zombie genre content and uh hang out with the community it, it, sometimes they don't have subtitles and they're 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 uh i'm not sure what languages they are in sometimes and but they're fun to watch exactly yeah so definitely check that out and uh it, it's a lot of fun go to the discord zamp uh, the zamp discord bit.ly slash zamp discord i want to thank all our patrons over at patreon.com slash zombies ate my podcast 
If you want to support the show, that's the best way to do it. Uh, you can throw us a couple bucks. There's some great rewards. There's some fun goals that we've uh, we've set our our eyes on. So you can look at that and uh, support the show directly. Go to our website, zombiesatemypodcast.com. Email us like Jacqueline did, info at zombiesatemypodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. While you're on Twitter, though, you can find me at R. Murphy, Lou at Busy Zombie Lord, and the show at Zombies Podcast. Quick shout out to Joel Duggan for the artwork. Find more of his great stuff at joelduggan.com. Lou, as always, we exit the show with your fine, fine Busy Zombie Lord knowledge. I think I want to play Resident Evil 8 again for a third time. 